Welcome to SEC Football Live. A little bit late today on a Tuesday afternoon, but we do appreciate all of you guys showing up for us, of course, here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. That is SEC Mike from that SEC podcast. Mike, how are you, buddy? Oh, I'm struggling, but it looks not as much as the damn war that we got here in the comments. I mean, my God, I, I people are, are going back and forth. I don't even, I don't know what happened. Uh, well, people like football, which is cool, especially cool for people that do content about football. So we appreciate you guys. Uh, if you guys want to have questions, if you guys have any questions about anything at all SEC football related, please, by all means, let, let's roll. It looks like they're already upset about our coach rankings. We sort of put together uh, last week and uh, we'll get into coordinators today. I wanted to spend some time with you, Mike, to really dive into the coordinator carousel and which teams improved and which teams maybe took a step back. Because I think there's there's not many that took a step back, but I think there are a couple. And there's plenty, of course, that took a step forward. And everybody's least favorite human being on every single campus in the SEC is the offensive coordinator. So, so <laughs> who, who's in good shape heading into 2024? Who's in bad shape? Who's on the hot seat? How about year number two coordinators? There's a lot of guys that got jobs last year. We'll see how those guys are doing as well. So we've got a lot of stuff to get to today. Uh, lots of news and notes. We've got the Florida Gators under investigation for something that everybody does in college football. Um, coaching changes, roster moves. I'm not as stressed out about the Alabama transfer portal as other people are, but uh, there you have it. A couple of quick housekeeping notes here before we get into our coordinator carousel con conversation, winners and losers of the offseason in that category. Uh, we've got a lot of great stuff over on the 440 Sports YouTube page. I know a lot of you guys are watching on that SEC podcast, but we are doing deep dives into all different types of stuff. And this week on the show, we had Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports doing a deep dive into what exactly is going on at Auburn and a little bit of Alabama and Kalen DeBoer as well. Lots of coaching changes at both of those schools. And so we took a deep dive into the state of Alabama because even, Michael, even by Alabama standards, the last three weeks have been chaotic. E even by Alabama standards is a little bit nuts. Yeah, check this out. I just figured out how to do this on the last one. Oh, uh, well, you put it says link to. <laughs> well, there they, we go. Yeah. There we go. Look at that right there in the comments. I do appreciate that. That way um, they can they can click the link. So make sure you check that out. We've got a long conversation with Josh McQuiston covering Oklahoma, Jeff Ketchum covering Texas. And coming up this week on the show in a couple of days, my conversation with Paul Feinbaum. So we're going to dive deep into the future of the SEC and what exactly all this stuff is. That is happening to our conference. What is it going to look like? What is it going to do? We talked about some of the teams he likes in 2024. We talked about Nick Saban. We talked about a lot of stuff. So some housekeeping. Yes, Sandman. I've worked with I worked with Ketchum when I got started in the industry. And uh, so there's a long conversation with me and Ketch over there on 440. So if you're watching on that SEC pod, uh, make sure or that SEC podcast, make sure you go over to 440 Sports. Give us a little subscription over there. We do really appreciate it. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook as well. And uh, you can get you can get this show in podcast form, SEC Football Live, everywhere you get your podcast. So we do appreciate you guys uh, for showing up and for hanging out because we never go anywhere. We're here all year round, uh, even if we're a little late. <laughs> we're, we're here. Uh, we're here. So uh, I, I just your thoughts on I I wanted to, I know you probably talked about this with a lot of different people, but I I wanted to quickly ask you before we get into second year coordinators and thumbs up thumbs down on on some of these coordinators in the SEC, Mike. Just the, the transfer portal stuff that's happening, you've been big on the new rules of college football are going to spread out just enough talent out into the college football world to, to make it a little bit more of a balanced sport. Uh, certainly, we're seeing that when the greatest coach of all time retires. Tennessee is doing an excellent job with the collective, and and they've gotten you know they've gotten some big news this week. So um, I just want to get your thoughts on how worried are you, how concerned are you about what's happening at Alabama? Because it seems pretty standard 
for this kind of stuff to happen to any program that changes its coach. I love it, Braden. Alabama doesn't rule the sport anymore. Nick Saban, gone, even though he's got an office apparently down the hall or something stupid like that. He's going to be spending most of his time in that Florida $17 million mansion, if I had to guess, over spending time in Tuscaloosa during the season. But I think this is good. I think it opens it up. And, you know, all that being said, these people dancing on Alabama's grave, I, th I think that's foolishness. I think Alabama's going to win a national championship the next two years under DeBoer. I really do. I, th I think he's that quality of coach. We're going to get into the coordinators. They still got a top 10 roster, significantly better than he's ever had to work with in his entire football career. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a pretty bold take, I'd say. I, I got an even bolder one. If they miss the playoff, then any of the next two years, his ass is gone. He ain't going to cut it. So, I mean, it's it's a fine line there, and I think the the real challenge for DeBoer is keeping this thing going. I I don't have any doubts that they can keep it going for a year or two, but three years, four years, five years down the road, what does Alabama look like? I think they're going to take a step back uh, in in a couple of years. I really do. I don't think it's possible to go back from Saban and not like I don't think it's possible to maintain Saban levels of success. I, I'm, I, I am sort of in the short term. But what does but, that even mean, Braden? They haven't won a national championship in a non-COVID year since 2017. Well, they were in the national championship game in 21. So they were in the, they were one play away from the national championship game this year. So I, well, I, I know your shtick is to, 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 to take a big shit all over Alabama. They, they still I just are, have to go win the national championship in two years. They're still pretty good. I think, I, I'm more. I, I think my issue is more about the, the this panic that's happening over a few players leaving, and I think it's what like seven or eight total players since Nick Saban resigned and retired. I I think that certainly they are very good ones. <laughs> There's no question that Caden Proctor and and Caleb Downs leaving to go to Iowa, and I guess Downs is at Georgia or whatever. I, I think uh, I, I think that's those are big names. But you don't you can't worry about that stuff in the short term. Like when you when you hire when a guy like that retires or you fire somebody, you're going to lose players. It happens. It, and if it's not an indictment of DeBoer that these guys are leaving, it's it's just a statement of the reality of college football. And so you have to hire the guy that you think is the right guy. And if you think Kalen DeBoer is the right guy, this portal shit doesn't matter. It it it, it maybe if maybe you lose one extra game this year or two. And that that may matter, but I just mean long term. That's the price you have to pay to make a coaching change, and you have no choice. Nick Saban retired, so I, I don't know. Like, I, 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 does that make sense? Like, I'm just not overreacting to this this mass exodus in Tuscaloosa. Like, no. If Kalen DeBoer is good enough, and the offense is good enough, and Jalen Milrow has a great year, and they recruit pretty well, and he does all the things he's supposed to, then they're going to restock their their roster very just fine. I'm not I'm not worried about the portal exodus. If that makes sense. I think Alabama fans are finding out that uh, these players don't give a shit about playing for Alabama. They they came to play for Nick Saban, and they knew that if you play for Nick Saban and you do what he says, you'll develop, you'll get to the NFL, and I don't think they have any clue who Kalen DeBoer is. And he, he may be the, a top five coach in the country. Uh, there's there's a lot of evidence that points to that being the case, but I don't why would you sit there and play for him when you already have a relationship with Steve Sarkeesian, when you already have a relationship with Kirby Smart, you already have a relationship with Ryan Day? I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this is what college football, if Kirby Smart retired today, same damn thing's happening. That 
you know, it's, it, this is across the board. This is not a slight against Alabama. If Hypo leaves Tennessee, then I think a lot, a lot most of the players are going to leave. I mean, this is going to happen everywhere. I first of all, I completely agree. I mean, this was the entire Terrell Pryor selling his Big Ten championship ring for money scandal at Ohio State that got Jim Tressel fired because it was all like Ohio State fans were like, like, oh, the the ring doesn't mean anything to you. How come this Big Ten championship? It's like, no, these guys care about themselves and their relationship to the coaches that they play for which is what all of us would do if we were in their situation. I, I think this, I, there are, are there on occasion players that grow up in a household that love a brand or a university? It happens occasionally, but by and large, these players are committed to bettering themselves, both football on a football field, primarily to try to get to the, the NFL winning a championship like that. These and the relationships they build with their position coaches and their recruiting coaches and their and their friends. Like th this is a normal human thing. I agree with you. I, I think this this rem, they, like people romanticize the bond that that you have with your university. Now that doesn't mean it doesn't happen at some point, right? Like it doesn't mean that players don't fall in love with their university over the course of their four or five years. And and like Eric, like I was there for the Eric Berry celebration at Neyland Stadium. Eric Berry clearly loves the University of Tennessee. But that happens over time. That happens not be he didn't like, you know what I'm saying? Like, wasn't Travis Etienne? Didn't he grow up a huge Tennessee fan? Well, he went to he went to Clemson and won a national championship. <laughs> so so I, I agree that the 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 connection to your university is not nearly as strong as the connection to your own personal value financially and and in other ways. So I, I agree with your point on that. Um if now from what I know about Kalen DeBoer, and we talked we talked a lot about it with Brandon Marcello on in my conversation, which is that he's wired very similarly to Nick Saban in that every single he's very he's sort of every he's extremely detail oriented. Every single moment he is looking for something to learn, something to do, something to get better at. It's it's sort of that neurotic element that makes Nick Saban great, right? Um, so I think I think Kalen DeBoer from again maybe he can't recruit in the SEC, but otherwise he he we've already talked about this. He checks sort of every single box you can possibly check. His offense is elite uh, and we can get into the coordinators if you want to now off of this conversation because I think Alabama's coordinators today are significantly better than they were last year I think it's one of the few things you can point to at Alabama and say it is better this year I, I don't think the head coach is better I don't know if the roster is going to be better I don't know if the defense is going to be better but if you told me I can have Ryan Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer's offense and Kane Womack who's defensively uh, considered among the best defensive minds in the game. Look at the metrics at, at South Alabama to hire a head coach to come be your, your coordinator over Kevin Steele and T Rob and Tommy Reese. I, I'm taking that. I'm taking that group all day, a hundred times out of a hundred over the old group from last year. So they're, they're significantly better than they were last year at coordinator, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. I think they got maybe the best coordinator duo in the SEC, maybe uh, tech, I think Texas certainly. You know, if we we consider Sark the, the play caller, which we should, maybe that's a little bit better. Um, right, here's a pet peeve though that I'm seeing it in the comments, Braden, and I, I've been seeing this for a damn week. It's just slightly off topic. I apologize, but yeah, you're good. Why is it that we can't say Sarkeesian? And and you, I think you disagree with me, so that, that's fine. But. Why is it if I sit here and say Sarkeesian is not elite, and when I say elite, like top five in the country, sure. Why does that 
people take that as I, I, I mean, I, my DMs are full. You're right. He's a fraud. He's a joke. He's, he sucks. <laughs> what? Wait, so, from Texas fans or from other fans? Oh no, the rest. The, and then, and then the Texas yeah. are like, you're a, you're a fucking joke. You suck. You, why well, do you hate, why you, do you hate us? Why do you hate Sark? Cause he's not, cause I say he's not elite, which he, he's, he's, the path is there for him to be elite in a, in a year or two. He may win a national championship or two, and then we then we'll put him into that we'll category. Fi- but we'll find out, yeah. Nothing, nothing he has done. The grade doesn't say he's elite. The record doesn't say he's elite. He, he's coming off a hell of a year. But I mean, why why is it elite or garbage? Why is there no? Well, that's that's a that's a media conversation, right? That's a sports talk. These radio. are the fans that are saying it, not me. But, but, I, right, I never but, said garbage. I never said bad. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, is the, the the reason that there are only two vast ends of a spectrum in a conversation is media and fans together. That that is the metric with which you get ratings, whether it's the internet, whether it's newspaper, whether it's sports talk radio, whether it's cable news, whether it's you know TV. And I say this as someone who works for ESPN, like when I do ESPN radio, I have to hit a debate. I have to create a debate or discussion that ideally creates divisiveness in the audience that has to pick a side. That is how the science is wired. That is the way the business is wired. And so to like coming on the radio and being like, no, I think he's really, really, really good. And I think there's some really like I think what he's accomplished at Texas in, in eliminating the noise and the booster influence on him and sort of creating alignment, which is hard to really talk about on Sports Talk Radio, it is something that's very, very difficult to explain. And so if it's difficult to explain, it doesn't make it onto conversations and therefore it's not it's not clicky and it doesn't get traction and it doesn't get engagement. And like that is literally what like everybody either sucks or is, is spectacular. There's no middle ground, but the reality is we're all in the middle ground. Everybody's in the middle ground. Lane Kiffin's in the middle ground. Josh Heupel's in the middle ground. Like everybody, uh, Steve Sarkeesian has gotten to a point where to, I think you're right to say he has a path to being elite. I think he's already one of the best offensive minds in the game, full stop. And I think frankly, maybe the other two best in that category are in the sec now, <laughs> which is Ryan DeBoer or Kalen DeBoer and and Lane Kiffin. I think if you told me to pick a guy who plays, who calls plays and designs an offense, it's probably Sarkeesian, Kiffin, and DeBoer. Those might be the, the top three guys in all of college football. But it doesn't mean that he's better coached than Kirby Smart. It doesn't mean that he's better coached than Jim Harbaugh or Nick Saban or you know Urban Meyer or whoever else has won a national championship. Because right now, there's, there's not many. <laughs> there's Mac right. Brown. There's Mac Brown that's accomplished more than Steve Sarkeesian. But is he better than Steve Sarkeesian right now? Probably not. So I, I think we're lacking some some serious coaching in the SEC star power, at least. I, I think be. there's a massive void when Saban retires, but I think yeah. there's a chance. Like I think what what has to happen is, and I want to get to the coordinators here in a second, but I, I think I, like Brent, Brent Venables, for example, is a guy that could change that. If Brent Venables turns into a star head coach he could change some of this. Mike Elko at Texas A&M, if he turns into a star head coach, he could change this. But you're right. There are programs right now that are powerful that we have questions about. Billy Napier at Florida. College football cannot be its best if Florida is not great. The SEC cannot be its best. Hugh Freeze, we think... I mean, Hugh Freeze is a star for a different reason. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I use star. I would say... (laughs) He's Lightning a rod. 
he's a gravitational force, right? Like he right. attracts he attracts attention. And Josh Heupel, like again, Josh Heupel might be a great coach who wins SEC championships at Tennessee, but he is not a guy that like attracts attention for like in like a Lane Kiffin type of way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like he, so I mean, and Saban it, is just that's probably good. <laughs> and I think ten, I think you should be right. I think I think the reason he's been successful is because he's not like that. He's just a guy. He's just Coach Dad. Co- coach Dad's just up there being Coach Dad, and you know, I I think that that wins right now for Tennessee. So yeah, I, I think look, I I maybe they don't have a lot of star power, but I think we're in for a spectacular season because we have good coaches and good quarterbacks and a wide open race to the championship outside of the Georgia Bulldogs. I I, I don't know. Alabama took a step back with without Saban. I mean, how good is LSU? I think they're going to be better than people think. I think Texas A&M is better than people think. I think Tennessee yep. is better than people think. Ole Miss and Missouri are already projected to be pretty good. Uh, I, I, Oklahoma's pretty decent. I, I think there's a lot of teams that could be challenging for 10 wins. So, I'm starting to think Florida can be better, too. Not 10 wins, good, but seven or I, eight? Think, I think they could be one of the biggest surprises in the SEC. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> then you look at the schedule like geez. Yeah, that's good. Crazy, man. That schedule's hard. All right. So Bama, let's let's work through the coordinators here. And and how about this? Let's go second year coordinators first. And I, I want to get your opinion on how you feel they fared, and we can kind of go rapid fire here. But like let's start with Arkansas, Travis Williams running the defense. hmm Yeah, I I mean I thought he was significantly better uh, of an upgrade than I anticipated. Now they kind of ran out of gas. Again, I think you're only as good as your players and they don't have a lot of elite players. Certainly that's, that's why they've struggled. But, uh, I, I th- that's what I circle, right? Cause I think, again, we'll get to Bobby. I'm, I'm sure Bobby P, but uh, I think he's an upgrade. So all of a sudden, if, if your defense is capable and we'll see what they have at the quarterback, that'll, kind of be the, the most important cog in this whole thing. But if they have a quarterback, I know what Bobby Petrino is capable of. If he can elevate that offense and the defense is, let's just call it consistent in, in what they do, there's another one. There's a, there's another one that I could I could say, again, not going to win 10 games or anything, but you know we're all writing Sam Pittman off. Who knows? He, he could save his job this year. I, I think if you're asking me what was one of the best – going from coordinator A to coordinator B, from Dan Enos to Bobby Petrino, I think there might not be a better team in the SEC that made a bigger jump than with those two guys. And when you're talking about first-year coordinators, going right. from Dan Enos to Bobby Petrino, I think that is as as good, a, as big a jump as you could possibly make in this conversation about new coordinators. If we're talking last year, I think, look, Travis Williams, made, the defense last year might not have been elite, might not have been great, but it was so god-awful the year before, it's hard not to argue the, the growth. From, for that team. So I think, again, if you're looking at Arkansas and you're going, man, what are the reasons to like this team is that their coaching staff today is significantly better than it was two years ago and even better than it was last year around Sam Pittman. That doesn't mean it saves his job, but I think it's hard to argue that the staff around him is not much better. And they got rid of the offensive line coach, which I don't know if he was a problem or not. He's, he's touted. He did a good job at his previous stops. He's doing a good job at Mississippi State recruiting. But he was not popular in Fayetteville. Uh, by the way, Randy uh, points out here, if you want to throw the comment up there, honestly, Texas and A&M have done less with more than anyone in the country. Uh, but alas, it's a new day. I, I agree with that. And if you talk to folks in both of those areas, they'll tell you the move to the SEC is the thing that is changing some of that. It certainly changed it for a minute for A&M. But if you're talking about resources, 
and access to players and num- and then package that with number of championships in the last 65 years. <laughs> You're right. It's what one national championship. Now here's 50, the thing though, Brady. years with, with elite players everywhere and, and the most resources of anybody in college football. Five years ago, who, who would we have said is the, the team that's done less with more than anybody in the country just five seasons ago? What do you mean? In all of college football. I mean, over the a, last a, 20 a, years. Uh, A&M. No. Texas I, has won a national championship and went to another national championship game in the last 20 years. So it can't be Texas. It's not. It's the most dominant program in the country. It's Georgia. So the uh, narrative can flip. Right. That's interesting. You know, if you start winning, uh, they're saying Texas can win but national you say, championship. No, but but I, you say nothing, but Mark Richt won 10 games a year all the time. So I agree. In, in 2012, they were one play away from winning a national championship. And they ran his I, ass I off. Know. I don't know. They ran his ass off. Yeah, but a and has no but A&M has no 10-win seasons other than like one time where they almost won. Like the 9-1 and one season kind of counts as a 10-win season. But like well, my they had the Manziel is, years and that's it. My point is, Brayden, if you get the right hire in there, you got the talent, you got the fans, you got the facilities, you got everything. It can flip if if you start, you know, in five oh, years, sure. te- Texas may be the most dominant program in the country. In in five years, A&M, why can't they be like LSU? We're, you know, winning the national ch- I, I could see them doing it. But just my point being, just because you yep. haven't done it in X amount of years, Georgia didn't do it for 40 years. Now we all look at it like, by God, how can anyone beat Georgia? You know what I mean? Like the yeah, narrative oh yeah. changes yeah, yeah. in a in a and there were some damn heartbreakers there for Georgia for yeah, 2012. I, we don't have to go through the the long list, but it can change in a hurry. Yeah, and I think Randy, to your point, alas, it's a new day. I think absolutely, I totally agree with your point. I mean, Clemson. There's a couple of you guys in the comments saying Clemson, and Clemson was the quote unquote sleeping giant, quote unquote, for such a long time. They won the national championship with Danny Ford, basically the same time Georgia did with Herschel Walker. And they basically were in the wilderness for about the same amount of time. The difference being, I think, that Georgia was significantly better outside of Ray Goof, as Steve Spurrier would call him, uh, outside <laughs> of that chunk of time. Mark Rick's teams for t- almost 20 years were extremely good and competitive for a long time, whereas Clemson was not. Clemson was a joke. They were a punchline. And I think tech and LSU, to Sandman's point, LSU was largely irrelevant in the SEC from 1971 until Nick Saban. And so, but in the modern era, LSU has been a dominant force in college football, which I would call 1998 to today, because uh, because the championship game era is is sort of what counts. So I agree, and and we can we can go to Texas A&M's coordinator hires with with Mike Elko because I think Colin Klein's an excellent hire. I think Jay Bateman's a pretty solid move there. I think going to get Jordan Peterson from Kansas is an excellent move, one of the top recruiters. So I think I think Texas A&M has got a chance to flip it on its head immediately. Uh, why? <laughs> why am I an SEC hater, Jackson? Um, to your point, uh, Mike, I argue about Tennessee constantly with all my friends from Kentucky, and oh, Tennessee's lost it. They've lost it. It's like no, the money and the players never went anywhere. They just kept hiring shitty coaches. <laughs> yeah, wait. So, what what is the argument with Tennessee? I'm I'm a little confused. Well, that that they that if you go through to your point, if you go through 15 years of bad football or 20 years of bad football. That doesn't change the the core foundation of who you are as a program. If you right. are located, okay. if you're located in an area that has a lot of talent, that doesn't change. You're, this is not the NFL where you can move. Mm-hmm. Like it, your geography, if anything, Tennessee's recruiting area has gotten better because all the people that have moved south and in the six hour radius around around Knoxville is incredible. 
Right. And the money hasn't changed. The resources and the support for Tennessee has never changed. It was just they kept hiring shitty people and they kept doing shitty jobs. Mm-hmm. And and no no program is immune to that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, I'm biased, but I think you can put Tennessee fans up there with anybody. I mean, they're they're just wild. And, and I mean that in the best sense, just passionate. I mean, my God, Braden, they they reneged a coaching hire. I mean, they're they're the, literally the only ones that that can yeah. can proudly say that. Oh, didn't A and M do that this year? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, perhaps, and and, and, and rightfully and they, so, but not not in the didn't have to not, do it in a shitty way the way Tennessee fans did. Not in a dramatic fashion that Tennessee did. So yeah, well, yeah and I mean, you're wrong. seeing it. I mean, every, when they caught fire, you know, in twenty uh, twenty one, I guess. What, are we, what year are we now? 2022, whatever. Talking I mean, hooker year. <laughs> game day was, was there like two, yeah. three times. I mean, they, they've got the checker kneeling. I mean, that, that was started by a fan. I, I don't think a lot of people know that literally a fan was the one that, that started that. And, and now it's, you know, one of the SEC's traditions. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, could go call, on call it, on. call it the Nick Saban test. If you if you put Nick Saban at XYZ program, how long does it take him to win a national championship? And if you put him at Tennessee, he would he would win a national championship. Like if you 2007 Nick Saban, if mm-hmm. you put him at Florida, if you put him at Tennessee, if you put him at A&M, if you put him at Auburn, if you put him at Bama, if you put him at LSU, if you put him at the big programs, he wins a national championship almost instantly. He was undefeated in the in the SEC title game 2 years in, 2008. The question is can he do it at programs like Arkansas? South Carolina, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Missouri, the second tier down. If absolutely at Texas, he would win national championships. Absolutely at Oklahoma, he'd win national championships. And somebody mentioned Nebraska in the comments. Nebraska is different because they've been affected by the recruiting rules in a different way. Their, their recruiting radius is terrible. Mm-hmm. There, there's nobody within six hours of, of Lincoln, Nebraska that is, you cannot build an 85 man roster. You got to use money to do that so tennessee's tennessee's recruiting everybody rips on tennessee's recruiting base like it's like it's nebraska's i always thought that was insane to me like you can get to valdosta georgia you can almost get to jackson mississippi richmond virginia deep into north carolina it's a great recruiting base in my opinion we call that the matt jones argument yeah yeah friend friend of the friend of all pods and co-worker occasionally (laughs) no friend of mine anyway uh okay so uh, Florida, Austin Armstrong, second year coordinator. Let's let's move through these quickly here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I like the fact they brought in Ron Roberts. That's interesting, the, the dynamic there. Because are, are they bringing? Are they did they bring him in to uh, assist? <laughs> did they bring him in to replace? Was Austin Armstrong in over his head? I mean, I think these are all fair questions. They looked good for a little while. I don't know if they really did, but I mean, I mean, it it seemed like a, an upgrade, and then it kind of just the Tennessee game that you're thinking of. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, they were blitz happy, and then I I don't know. So I, I, that still remains a, a question to me. And, and if and if he's a if he's a complete bust, it's going to cost Napier's job. I tend to agree with that. I do think Armstrong. It may not be at Florida if it doesn't work out, but I do think Armstrong will eventually be a very good coordinator. Um, but they've they've got so much work to do on that side of the ball. I think adding Roberts helps, right? I think adding Roberts helps and and having some more experience around them. But there's no way you could call that a, a you can know there's no way that you could call the Austin Armstrong hiring the youngest coordinator in the Power Five some some magical move by Billy Napier last year. That you know, 
their offense is still what what kept getting better last year, which of course is, I guess Rob Sales in charge of that, but really it's Billy Napier. So, right, but with, that's why it's interesting you bring in and Ron Roberts though, because he's worked under him. They've all worked. The, the yeah. trio have worked together. So does that unlock something? I think I it helps. Know. I think it helps. I don't think they're all the. I think the personnel is still questionable on the two deep for Florida on defense with that schedule. I, I don't know. I think the offense could could keep getting better though. The defense is still a concern. How about Mike Bobo at Georgia? I'm not even sure what to. I mean, they were basically the best team in college football. <laughs> yeah. No, he was great. I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, a, a plus on that one. And, yeah. and again, not, not an upgrade on Todd Munkin, but still pretty damn good. So, and going into year two or Carson Beck, I mean, it's, it's a year two for both of them. It's, it's hard to believe they'd be even better, but yeah. I think, I think the expectation is they will be. Uh, look at that offensive line. Jesus, they're going to be good. Carson Beck offensive line. They're going to be even without Bowers. They're going to be so good on offense. Georgia is clear cut. Number one in the nation. Uh, and I think they probably could have been number one in the, in the nation last year had they had the committee allowed them to compete in the playoff. Right. Uh, I, I do think Bobo got a bad rap at the end of his first Georgia tenure. Um, yeah, and I think Jackson's right. M- Munkin is too good. I mean, the, the Baltimore Ravens are the number one team in the NFL right now, in large part because Todd Munkin unlocked Lamar Jackson. And Bobo is just a step below that, but that still makes Bobo one of the better coordinators, I think. So uh, Liam Cohen at Kentucky. How about him? How about Liam Cohen at Kentucky? Well, I think he's going to be gone, isn't he? There's, I mean, I just there. He did a good job last year, sort of. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, question is, the question is, is if he's back, I think that's a big win for Kentucky. But mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think the Tennessee Titans, who hired their coach last week or yesterday, excuse me, Brian Callahan, who is looking at coordinators. Um, certainly, Liam Cohen was Will Levis's quarter, you know, coach at at at, at Kentucky. There's a chance he's brought onto the Titans staff, but I. And and moves back to the NFL, but if I'm Kentucky, I really would like to have him back. Oh yeah, I, I think you'd be desperate to because Mark Stoops. We don't don't need to go down that hole. What I think of uh, him overall, but I, the one place he has really struggled is offensive hires, and he nailed it with with Cohen both times. Yeah, so no, I agree. I agree. Uh, I think he would really struggle to upgrade, I, particularly at this point of the calendar. Yes. And I, th- I think he would really struggle to even get someone comparable to Liam Cohen would, would be my take, given his track record. Agre- I completely agree. Uh, Kirby Moore at Missouri can't say anything other than massive decision for Eli Drinkowitz to step away and to give the controls to Kirby Moore. Brady Cook being healthy certainly helped. Luther Burden being older. Cody Schrader being a, st- a diamond in the rough kind of cliche. All that stuff's helped. But it's hard not to argue that Kirby Moore – and, and while they're still looking technically for their defensive coordinator, I'll remind everybody, it took them three weeks to hire Kirby Moore. So patience worked for him last time. I think Missouri fans can give him patience this time on the defensive side. Hard to, hard to argue that Kirby Moore wasn't a fantastic move by Eli Drinkwitz. Carl says uh, Derek Dooley to Kentucky. I'd love to see that. But, uh, yeah, I, Kirby Moore, how about this, Brayden? I hear that uh, if Grubb didn't go – to Alabama to follow DeBoer, it, it would have been Kirby's more, more down there as Alabama offensive coordinator. So uh, take that for what you will. But, I mean, I, I think that speaks very highly of, of the outstanding job he did for Missouri this year and and another one, year two, year two in the – well, year three for Brady Cook, really. But year two in that system, that this is when these quarterbacks really take off. Hennon Hooker, Jane Dales, um, 
many, many others that escape me at the moment. But it, it's just, it's year two where they, they generally take off. Yeah. Uh, Bo says, who was looking at DJ Durkin? Ole Miss is close to hiring DJ Durkin as the defensive coordinator, potentially. I think there's only two open spots left. No, no, uh, no. You said, Ole, you mean Auburn. Uh, sorry. Yes, my apologies. Auburn is looking to hire uh, DJ Durkin. Uh, uh, supposedly, that's the that's the report right now. Um, Dow Loggins, South Carolina. What do you make of that? Uh, incomplete, I, I would say. I mean, I thought Spencer Rattler looked his best as a South Carolina Gamecock, so we, we need to credit him for that. But they had no running game and because the offensive line was awful. So is that him... You know, maybe he could have done a little bit more to put them in a better position. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't protect, protect Spencer Rattler. I don't know how you grade an offensive coordinator when when they the offensive line was as terrible as it was. I, I don't think he was in over his head. But uh, I didn't see anything that, that really made me think, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of an incomplete for me. I, I agree. And I think I think there were signs that Rattler had taken a step early in the year. But as we talked about last summer, the schedule was so hard and the offensive line was so bad that I kind of agree. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know if 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 there's a grade here. I think uh, again, South Carolina is one of only five or six teams that doesn't change any any coordinator. That now they lose Pete Lembo, um, who's their special teams coach, who's been a head coach in the past, uh, to go be a head coach. But I, I don't. I don't know how. I don't, if I'm a South Carolina fan. I don't know how I feel about the current state of things, roster and staff all included. We're going to learn a lot about them coming up this this year because South Carolina uh, still Clayton White still calling things on the defense. Uh, Tennessee, Joey Halsley. I, I don't know what to make of this one because it's Josh Heupel's offense. I actually think they accomplished on offense about as much as they probably could have accomplished on offense. I don't think you can make Joe Milton into something that he is not. Um, and I think he sort of just accomplished his best version of himself which is sort of like B minus quarterback in the SEC. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know how much of an impact he had, honestly. Mm, I think his impact was negative because I, I thought there was a, a big step back from Golish. Um, so I, I don't know. That's that's where I would put it. It didn't seem near as effective, particularly in the short yardage situation, which is, as I understand, it was where kind of Golish shined for Tennessee. So Oh, short yardage, red zone. They were god awful in the red zone this year till that bowl game, which Braden loves bowl games. So uh, I, I would say downgrade, downgrade on on him big time. I, yeah, I don't think it's I don't I, cer he, certainly he's not as good as Alex Golish, especially considering what Golish did at South Florida. But I, I, my question is how the the step back that happened this year. How much of that is on this one individual? Or is it on, like, I mean, again, isn't Josh Heupel the guy that runs the offense? And isn't Joe Milton the guy who plays quarterback and touches the football? I, I just am not sure how much more. But to, you, you make good points about some, some specific situational stuff that could have been better. And there's no way he's as good as Golish. So I agree. But I'm just not sure if you're going to go out and got hire a guy. Like, I wouldn't put him on the hot seat going into this season. Whereas if I'm Dow Loggins, I might be concerned. Right. Mm. Does that make sense? Like Austin Armstrong, I might be concerned. Uh, I mean, yes, but I, I think if I, I th I'm very concerned. That's probably my biggest concern with Tennessee is his staff 
and and not the head coach, not the defensive coordinator, even though everyone likes to throw him under the bus. I'm way more I'm way more concerned about Tim Banks than I am the offense. Well, the offense cost them most of their really? big games. Really? Yeah. Uh, let me throw it up here real quick. The I mean, Missouri game was, the, was <laughs> the Missouri game was a complete. Yeah, they, sco- they scored seven points. So <laughs> how how many road games in the SEC is that going to win you? They scored 16 on god-awful Florida. They scored 20. I mean, the defensive, the defensive line got absolutely boat raced against Florida. They, they, got, they The, de- the they, defense gave up explosive plays to Alabama. Uh-huh. The offense actually was great in the first half against Alabama. How were they in the second half when, the it, defense, when it matters? The defense didn't even cover receivers. Like They were just like, oh, Isaiah Bond, there you go. And you then have, we're missing that A&M performance, 20 points, but seven of that was on a point punt return. I am. If you're asking me what keeps you, Tennessee you can't, from, from winning ten games next year, is it Nico and the offensive scheme that Josh Heupel is in charge of, or is it Tim Banks and the depth on defense? It is the depth on defense and Tim Banks. If Josh Heupel's your coach, you cannot score 16 points in a SEC game. Uh, f- 14 in another one, 20 in another, seven in another, 10 in. A, that's not what we signed up for. We signed up for 30 points minimum, I think. If 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 they can't score 30 points against the best defenses in America, then they're not going to win. Gotcha. Well, I, they, I they lit Alabama's gonna, ass up two I years ago. I don't think what they score 50 something points on them. I mean, this is what this that's what you sign up for with Hypo. You're not going to win any games in the 20s. You're just not. I, I don't disagree with you. Although they did play Texas A&M in that style of game and and won. That's because Jimbo sucks and got fired immediately <laughs> after. Like he should have he been fired a, years ago. And a special teams touchdown helped out with that as well. Uh, although they did drop a wide open touchdown pass. I think I can't remember who dropped that. Was that Ramel Keaton maybe that dropped a wide open touchdown? I can't remember who did that. But Dropped um, a few. Yeah. So uh, the point is, if you're asking me what's going to keep them from winning the national championship or even just getting to the SEC championship game, not just in 24, but moving forward, it is not, I'm not like Josh Heupel's offense and him calling the plays and running the team with Nico at quarterback. Like, I'm not as worried about that. They got another five-star kid that's one of the top quarterbacks right here from Nashville committed. They're going to get big time offensive linemen out of the portal on offense. It is about depth on defense. And I saw somebody in the comments saying they're, they're building a sort of a, a deep defensive line, especially through recruiting the last couple of years, they're trying to build a defensive line. Like that's, they've got to keep developing James Pierce's. They've got to keep developing Omari Thomas's. Like they have to have more of those guys. That the defense is like you're going to have offensive games in the SEC where you don't score 35 or 40 points. You're going to have to win occasionally those those 24 21 games. But your defense has to keep you in those games. And the defense failed in that moment against Alabama, failed in that moment against Missouri, and failed in that moment against against Georgia. So I I don't know. Like I I still think they need more depth on defense. I don't think Joey Halsley is the top. The, the problem with Tennessee football right now. That's all. Mm. Okay. okay. Auburn. Auburn goes f- both coordinators, and they've lost a bunch of other players, as a bunch of other people as well. Uh, Phil Montgomery out. Looks like Derek Nix is in. He was at Ole Miss for 16 years. He was there during Hugh Freeze's tenure. Hugh Freeze wanted him last year. Derek Nix said no, which, take that for what it's worth, said no, I'm not going to come to Auburn. Now he is. Some of these were arranged marriages, potentially. Ron Roberts left on his own accord. I've heard lots of stories about some of the other guys. Can't repeat many of them <laughs> uh, publicly, but a lot of other guys are gone. 
basically Phil Montgomery and Ron Roberts have switched to what is probably going to be Derek Nix and DJ Durkin. How do you feel? I, I, I like that Auburn and Hugh Freeze are hiring guys that are his guys. Uh, if, in fact, there were some arranged marriages on that by some boosters, which Auburn tends to do. Uh, but I don't know how much of a step up Auburn is taking here. Mm. None, none at all. I don't think. I mean, I don't, I don't know what in the hell they're doing, Braden. I don't, how does DJ Durkin keep getting jobs? Seems like he does a worse job every year. Uh, yeah, he may be a fine coach, but I, I mean, AM took a step back. He did a good job at Ole Miss, I guess you could say, but. I think they're far better off with Pete Golding. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I, I don't understand this. This is the best we can do. I think the more interesting conversation is Hugh Freeze calling plays, but that's a. But can I he agree. do that and recruit? I don't know. Apparently, he cannot. <laughs> well, you should. You should. The, the bowl game thing. I don't care about. I don't care if you were. I'd rather my coach be recruiting during the during the month of December than planning for a meaningless bowl game. I, I'm I'm actually totally fine with that. But when you're in the season, I don't know. The best thing Hugh Freeze does, the two best thing Hugh Freeze does are call plays and recruit. If you take one of those away from him, he is just not as good of a coach. So you got to have those two things in there. I I don't know if Derek Nix is better than Philip Montgomery. I, I don't know. I, DJ Durkin, I do think, is a, maybe an upgrade on Ron Roberts. I don't. I think they're basically even. I will give the edge to Auburn and say, Okay, fine, because you're the one supposedly picking all these guys, and supposedly he didn't pick all the guys last time. But I, I don't know. I, I'm I, I don't <laughs> color me shocked, Mike, that uh, there's some volatility and some chaos on the planes with Hugh Freeze in charge. So par for the course, isn't it? I yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, that's Auburn. We already talked about Dan Enos going to Bobby P. Couldn't be a. Is there a better hire? Is there a better upgrade from Dan Enos to Bobby P. than Arkansas? Hmm. No, I I was gonna. I got, say, I got one. I got one for you. <laughs> I was gonna say Colin Klein to Jim from Jimbo, but I guess it was Bobby Petrino. So, um. Hmm. Well, now you know. I mean, he might Tommy be calling Reese, plays. Maybe. He might be calling the plays. He might not be calling the plays. I'm not really sure if he's going to be calling the plays. He might be calling the plays. Bobby Petrino's probably going to call the plays, but we'll probably be in the meeting together. <laughs> yeah, what a what a doofus! But uh, I'm sure he's having a good time on his yacht and everything. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah I mean, this yeah, huge upgrade. I th I think Bobby Petrino. How how about uh, how about Georgia getting three defensive coordinators on their team, <laughs> or four? They've got Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, T. Rob, and Glenn Shulman. Now they lost Fran Brown, which I think is a a loss, but their defensive backs coach. But they basically have four defensive coordinators at Georgia, so I'm not even going to include them really. Here's the only one I can come up with that might be better than Enos to to Bobby P, and that is going from Matt House to to Blake Baker at LSU. I think that's a huge huge upgrade. Uh, I guess I I just I know he did a good job at Missouri. I don't I don't think Blake Baker is any anything special. I really don't. Now, certainly can't be as bad as Matt House. So I'll definitely give you that. Uh, I heard that uh, what what Blake Baker is is consistent. Said I I heard uh, my buddy Dave Bar two talk about this the other day. He said according to the to the uh, coaching analytics, his his defenses have progressed seven of the eight years he's been a defensive coordinator. So that's that's very solid. So. LSU will take a step up. It's almost a guarantee based on that and, yep. and the talent that he, that he'll have to work with. So, 
Yeah, I mean that's that's probably a fair one, but I I don't think he's like some top ten defensive coordinator, but he doesn't have to be to be a hell of a lot better than Matt House. I think I also think stealing Bo Davis, defensive line coach from Texas, will help him as well in that category. So when you put Baker with Davis, I think the defensive staff has significantly improved at LSU. So I, I like that move. Now they lost Mike Denbrock to Notre Dame. Good time for him to leave, of course, with Malik Neighbors and Jaden Daniels <laughs> leaving. Right. Uh, but they're just going to elevate, apparently, according to Day, I think is the story, they're going to elevate Joe Sloan, the quarterback's coach, uh, and Cortez Hankton, uh, the wide receiver's coach, which both guys have done an excellent job so far. How, are they great at calling plays? Are they, can they design the offense? Are they? We, we just don't know. That There's a big, giant question mark there. So I think it's upgrade on defense, question mark on offense, if I'm LSU. Yeah, huge question. Particularly given, we've we've talked about this, I believe, I don't remember if it was us or not. So many shows, but it, you know, they they the defense has got to take a step forward because the offense has to take a step backwards. Now, how big of a step remains to be seen. But if they go from a top, I mean, I, I think they're arguably the top offense in the country this year. If they're top twenty, that's going to be a problem. And I I think that's that's probably where it's going to be unless their defense is elite immediately, which I don't think it will be. What if it's upper half of the SEC? What if it's like the seventh best? They go from the worst defense in the SEC to like the seventh best defense in the SEC. Doesn't that doesn't that counter counterbalance some of the loss on offense? Yeah, and it, it's going to have to be, I, I think. I wouldn't you know? be surprised if LSU has an average SEC defense. I don't think that's that hard to do in one year. No, I thought that's what they'd be this year, and they were god-awful, so... <laughs> They, I mean, they got players down there. That's that's certainly that's what I'm saying. I, look, Blake Baker, Missouri's defense got better right away. And as you said, they've gotten better every year he's ever gone anywhere. You add in a great defensive line coach, the schedule. I don't think the schedule for LSU, it's strange. Like, I don't think the schedule for LSU is as hard as it maybe normally would be, which I think is odd and interesting. So, um, but I think LSU is in a better spot overall. I think they're in a better spot. Uh, but we'll find out about what the offense looks like and is one of those guys ready to actually call plays the co-offensive coordinators that are being elevated from within uh, Missouri. As I mentioned, Blake Baker gone to LSU. They are looking around, taking their time. We'll see about that. That's the one we can't really answer right now. Uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, if this matters, uh, this is, I find this to be hilarious that Vanderbilt fired Joey Lynch, its offensive coordinator, and they hired Tim Beck, but not the Tim Beck. Who's the head coach <laughs> in coastal Carolina. That was, was very also, confusing when that happened. He was also the offensive coordinator at for Dave Doran at NC State for a very long time. Very good offensive coordinator. That's not that Tim Beck. It's a different Tim Beck who is at New Mexico State, of course. So if you watched the Auburn game last year, New Mexico State, uh, that offense was pretty salty. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then, of course, the demoted Nick Howell, the defensive coordinator, and Clark Lee put himself in as defensive coordinator, which I think is good. I think that's actually a smart move for Vanderbilt. So I think they're better. I think they're better. I think a smarter move would have been hiring someone named Nick Saban or Kirby Smart. Mike Vrabel's available? Yeah. No, no, no. Lives right right here in Nashville. I'm saying not those guys, just guys that have that name, you know, to go with the other Tim Beck. So it would be the other Nick Saban coach. I mean, they could probably get away with that for a couple couple (laughs) weeks before Vanderbilt fans realize what was up. (laughs) Like, shit, we got Nick Saban to coach defense? I think that's great. Yeah, uh, but not that Nick Saban. Uh, let's see here. Ole Miss, of course. Uh, looks like they've not. Have you seen an announcement on offense? It looks like, I'm assuming, it's Lane Kiffin's offense, but Charlie Weiss is still there. Junior is still mm-hmm. there. Derek Nix is gone. I, I'm not sure I'm all that concerned if I'm Ole Miss about losing Derek Nix, which is really odd considering how how much continuity he ha- he brought to the table. 
Mm, I, maybe that could be a little bit of a concern because he's d- done such a hell of a job recruiting receivers over the years or, or and develop, developing more than anything, uh, recruiting and developing. So he was a great receivers coach. But uh, I, I don't know if you saw this, but apparently Napier tried to hire Charlie Weiss, and he said no. So th- that's interesting on a lot a lot of levels because I think w- his dad his dad had such a great time as the offensive coordinator in Florida. <laughs> well, not only that, but uh, you know Napier calls the plays and yeah, yeah, fans are dying to see him give it up, even though the offense I thought showed tremendous signs of life towards the end of the year, and then here we got. You know, how much of a – maybe he was looking at it like, well, hell, I don't want to go in a similar situation I'm already at where, where Lane likes to call a lot of these plays. And who's who's getting the credit for the offense at Ole Miss? We all know the run that they're projected to make next year. So I guess the timing I, – I understand his decision, but I guess just the fact that, that he tried to get him away, that's that's interesting to me. Well, I, I find it – well, I find it interesting that he – are you saying that he tried to hire him last year? Is that what you're saying? Like the, No, so no, he, just recently. Well, he for, wanted for the upcoming year, right? No, no, he no. wanted D- Derek Nix last year to be his off to be his offensive coordinator, and and he and Derek Nix said no. Um, I don't want to go to Auburn and and work with. I mean, again, did you see the offensive personnel that Auburn has versus Ole Miss last year? I don't right. blame him. But off, but all offensive personnel at Ole Miss is not much like the situations aren't any different. It's still Peyton Thorn, and 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 who at receiver. You got Hunter, but like I, I don't know about. I mean, you lose Judkins, so maybe Auburn is a maybe there is a slight uptick there. And hey, maybe I can work with my buddy, and that's better. And I'm going to get more credit. Although again, Hugh Freeze calling plays now, so I I don't know. I um, Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma loses Jeff Lebby, of course, offensive coordinator, goes on to be the head coach at Mississippi State. Jet Seth Latrell is elevated. Been around the game a long time, called a lot of plays, run a lot of offenses. Been a head coach in the past. Uh, and then Ted Roof is fired, and they bring in Zach Alley from Jacksonville State. This is the one that I know the least least about, or that I have the least – like, I don't have a strong feeling towards this. Brent Venable should be your guy on defense, coaching mm-hmm. up the defense. Um, I, I think – my issue with Oklahoma is you have a young quarterback, very talented. All often, every, every offensive lineman is gone, and now you've got a new coordinator. I, it's not a good situation for Oklahoma to step into the SEC and be better than they were last year, so – yeah, and one hell of a schedule too. So, uh, yeah, I think they've upgraded on defense, downgraded on offense. So, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I, Jeff Lebby. I mean, for some reason, fans were a little uh, had some angst there, I, and I don't get because I thought they were they were pretty awesome on offense from from what I saw. Uh, you're talking about Oklahoma fans were angsty about him. Uh, yeah, leaving? I think so. No, but just about him being the play caller the next year. Like, uh, I, you know, he had some interesting calls. So I don't know. I, it, it it just goes to fans being mad about something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So I, I look. I think I think upgraded on defense because Venables is it brings an element of consistency. I do think you draw, take a step back with with from Levy, but now if you're going to hire somebody, Latrell is a guy with the. Like See, they're a, saying a he cost him two games on the, I, on on offense. Yeah, Levy, but again, I mean, I thought he did a hell of a job. I mean, the quarterback was great, high flying offense, scoring a shit ton of points. I mean, you, we got to credit the man for for doing that too, don't we? Or, or yeah, I mean, they they were slow. Number against... number four in the country in points scored. I mean, they were not great against Cincinnati on the road early. 
uh, yeah. in that year. And I don't, I w- was it the offense's fault that they lost to Kansas? Like, I don't, didn't the defense get, give up a boatload of points in that one? The offense made it, made it happen against Texas. So I, I don't, I don't know. Um, Kansas is on Levy. Okay. That's what, that's what, that's what, uh, Purple Orca is saying, and if Purple Orca is saying it, then it's got to be true. <laughs> uh, Texas, Texas A&M and, and Mississippi State, our last two here because of the new coaching staffs. Uh, Texas A&M, Bobby P was technically calling the plays, but like, whatever. Um, Colin Klein, I think, is an excellent hire, and we know it's Mike Elko's defense, so we, we love Mike Elko uh, as a hire. That's Jay Bateman. I mentioned Jordan Peterson taking him, one of the best recruiters in the Big 12 from Kansas. I, I think this coaching staff that Mike Elko is building at Texas A&M is impressive. And while it may not result exclusively in them winning top flight games or challenging for a playoff spot right away, I think you're going to see the fruits come forward in one year. And I, because you got a, you got a competent adult head football coach now. <laughs> Just beat Texas. I mean, they'll, they'll crown his ass. You know what? Thanksgiving, baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, I like particularly the offensive coordinator. I'll be, I'm going to be interested to see what he does. Uh, with the with Wagman and, and the other quarterbacks, because I think he's going to have to change it up a little bit. But that's that's what good, you know. It's so funny, Braden. I mean, like guys at Kansas State, and he's got this quarterback, and then he engineers his offense around him, utilizes, and then they're like, "Well, Wagman can't do that. This this ain't going to work." And it's like, "Well, no shit, dummy. I mean, he's going to change the offense <laughs> to fit the quarterback if he's worth anything. That's what good coaches do." But yeah, yeah. Uh, now we'll we'll have to see what that looks like. But I'm I'm ish, very interested to see it. Uh, let's see here. Honest question. Carl says, honest question. If Greg Sankey stepped down, would you support Mike for SEC commissioner? Sure. I would be a terrible commissioner. I want you to be commissioner. For that. No, 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 no. You, but you better fucking hire me. You better, I better have a spot in the administration. <laughs> <laughs> if you can make me like head of, I'll take over Herb Vincent's job. <laughs> oh man. Make, you can make me associate commissioner and uh, you know what? You can put me under Herb Vincent. That's fine. I'll just work for Herb. He's a great guy. He's a wonderful guy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm, I'm trying to figure out why you're trying to run him off. I'm not. I want to keep he's the guy I'm keeping around for experience purposes. I, you got to keep him around. But uh, for sure, I'd, sure. Let's ha- let's have Mike run the whole thing. <laughs> it's just we'd be down in flames quickly. Our first marketing meeting is we're removing. It just means more. And it's just Bama sucks. <laughs> that's all it is. The, the new marketing meeting for SEC football. Dynasty is dead. Well, I think I was right about that, wasn't I? Uh, I don't know. Won the SEC championship. Uh, okay. Uh, last year, Mississippi State. Uh, Kevin Barbet and Zach Arnett were your co- two coordinators, your head coach last year, of course. You now have Jeff Levy calling play. So it's hard to argue not a huge upgrade on the offense with Jeff Levy running the offense. The question is, and you went and got some interesting guys here. Matt Barnes uh, did an excellent job at Memphis. And Coleman Holzer, who was the outside linebackers coach at Alabama, they went and got both those guys. I think Zach Arnett is technically still available, right? I think he's out there. If I'm hiring a defensive coordinator, if I'm, <clears throat> I don't know, Missouri, I, I would be looking at Zach Arnett as a defensive coordinator, but I, I don't know what to make of Mississippi State's defensive staff. I think offensively they will clear, clearly be better. So, Yeah, can't be any worse. But, uh, again, mm, how much was that was personnel and just trying to blow up what, what we had been doing at Mississippi State for a couple of years? I, you know, it's, This is going to be fascinating to see. Uh, there, I, I think this is the ultimate roll of the dice because I, we don't know anything about Lebby as a head coach. We don't know anything about Hustler as a defensive coordinator. He's never called plays, so yep. I, I don't know. I, I this is this is dangerous, dangerous territory, and, and I don't, I don't know. I just feel like 
there had to have been better options. May I'll be dead wrong. I'll be happy to be wrong. But why why not go get a quality head coach that's winning at a at a lower level? That's that's kicking ass. Or it doesn't even have to be a lower level. You know, there's there had to been. I don't think they could have gotten the Kansas guy, but hell, I would I would have made in an offer he couldn't refuse. You know, something like that would have been a home run. But now now we're just rolling the dice. I I have I mean. I have no idea what to expect about Mississippi State moving forward. I think offensively, again, they'll be good. I think it's a very, very difficult job to compete. Now, I do think they benefit from the new structure. I do think they benefit from the new new schedules, and I think they're going to benefit from not having to play Alabama, LSU, um, you know, Auburn, and Texas A&M every single year. I think that benefits them to some degree. It, even when Dan Mullen was there and they were very good, those were still tough games. Uh, because they just don't recruit at that same level. So Lebby's good at recruiting, and he's good at running an offense. I think that's what you have to do normally at a program like that. When they've been successful, you know, Dan Mullen, that's what they did. They ran a good offense, and they recruited well. So, Do you um, buy into the fact that they looked over there in Oxford and they saw, well, hell, they're having fun, they're doing well, high-flying offense, let's go get someone that worked there, and, oh, it's an, just an added bonus that uh, Lebby and, and Kiffin – we're not on good terms. <laughs> so I, that adds a little bit of fuel to it. I, I don't know. Do you buy into any of that? Well, I mean, to suggest that these coaches and these athletic directors don't have rabbit ears, they're all name searching. Like they, like they all name search. They all slide into DMs. They all know what's being said about them. So to, to suggest that the two arch rivals inside this, one of the smallest states in the country don't actually know what's exactly happening with the other one, I, I, you know, that's that's horseshit. Like they all know everything that Ole Miss does, Mississippi State knows. Everything Mississippi State does, Ole Miss knows. Like they all know. And all these coaches talk like school kids. Like we know that the Kiffin, Smart, you know, all these stuff. You know, they all are on the same text threads. Like it's they all know each other. They they, they were at they were at the the AFCA here in Nashville, and like you walk over there to Gaylord Hotel and you walk through the lobby, and it's just a bunch of coaches from every different conference just having beers. That's <laughs> all it is. So they all know each other. They all know what's going on. So, yes, if you're not looking across the state at Oxford saying, well, that looks fun, you know? What I, I, but, I again, I think that's a mistake, too. Just look at, looking at someone else and be like, well, that let's just do what they're doing. Well, yeah. So you just can't replicate that just because no, you no, want no, to. No, I, 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 no, I agree. I agree. Um, Florida did not change coordinators. Georgia did not change coordinators. Tennessee did not change coordinators. Neither did South Carolina or Kentucky. Basically, the entire East did not change any coordinators. And neither did Texas. Uh, they stayed normally put. They stayed put. Is there anybody in that group that you would be concerned about? Um, I and mean, again, Liam Cohen could leave Kentucky, but Brad White is back as the coordinator. I don't know what to make of South Carolina's top three names. Their coordinators or Shane Beamer. Uh, Tim Banks, of course, we talked about. We, we know Georgia's in pretty good shape. Uh, Pete Golding also stayed put uh, at, at Ole Miss. So uh, what do you make of those? Anybody in there that should be concerned about the hot seat or pressure? Kind of surprised South Carolina didn't make a change at all. Uh, defensive coordinator, Clayton White. It's not, not gone too well there. Uh, not seeing a, a ton of progression there. Um, yes, purple, yes, purple six. I would say six for sure. But but he's also banked some equity that some other guys haven't. So, sorry, go ahead, Mike. Uh I don't I don't know. That any that's I don't think Tennessee I don't think Tennessee should have changed anybody. I don't think Texas should have changed anybody. I don't think Kentucky should change anybody. Georgia's fine. I mean, Florida it's Billy Napier's offense <clears throat> and he brought in some experience to help on defense. So, 
I don't know. But the fact they tried to hire an offensive coordinator, I mean, that's that's kind of alarming too. They couldn't get one. Okay. Right. Now maybe they just had their. Maybe that report's wrong, but it's from someone I trust. And then and then someone it was Matt Hayes, by the way, who, I, who he's great. And then um, that yeah, like I said, maybe that maybe they just wanted him, and if they couldn't get him, they said, "Well, hell, I'll just do." It. I don't I don't know, but uh, uncertainty that that is, yeah, that's not great. Heading uh, into a critical season where we must win. And and if you look at a lot of these teams, what does Florida, South Carolina, Kentucky, and maybe Tennessee have in common? Well, they're middle, they're middle of the pack trying to fight to get back to the top. I think Tennessee has the best chance of all of them. Uh, but like again, how much better is Kentucky? How much better is South Carolina, Florida? It's all pretty critical years for all those guys. So coordinators more under, you know. More so with the established head coaches, Mark Stoops and and, and Josh Heupel. But uh, Napier and Beamer and Pittman, those are the three. Those are the big three to watch on the head coaching front with the pressure to win, for sure. So We, we didn't get to talk much to Kentucky because they haven't had much change. But let, let me ask you this real quick. what, How big of an issue is it, you think, that they are constantly relying on a transfer quarterback? I mean, to, to set almost seventy percent of Power Five teams have transfer quarterbacks. So, um, but how many I, have I, had a transfer quarterback every year since twenty fifteen? I bet I, I bet very very few. Twenty fifteen. That's a hard. That's a that's a long run. Yeah, that's a long run. Uh, well, LSU technically has had four years of transfer quarterbacks just since twenty eighteen. So eighteen, nineteen, and then the last two years. And I have to double. Didn't they have Max Johnson start for a year? So that'd be another transfer, right? Mm-hmm. Or was he LSU originally? No, he, he started he LSU at LSU. No, every I agree, Bo. Like every season is is nuts. Uh, now Will Levis was great, <laughs> so uh, Will Levis was really really good for them that one year, and they won ten games. They also won ten games another year in there as well. And I can't I can't I don't think that was was that Terry Wilson. It was. was. It was. Terry was. Wilson. He was an Oregon um, transfer, I believe. Oregon and UNLV. So, I mean, look, it's the nature of the game these days, though. Like, at that level, I don't think it's as big of a deal. Um, I think it goes back to what I was saying about lack of ability to hire offensive coaches and and inability to recruit and develop a quarterback. I mean, I, I think that's I think that's a big problem. And I, I mean, this will be Josh Heupel's first year of not having a transfer quarterback at Tennessee. This will be his first year, 2024, right? Uh, I mean, technically, yeah, but I mean, he did inherit Hendon Hooker, he didn't transfer him in, but it, and I think it's different if you've been there for 10 years or 11 or 12, however many Stoops have been there and, and every damn year is a transfer, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that that's concerning. And well, if you I, can't hire a coordinator, that certainly also hurts your ability to develop and recruit a quarterback. Right. And the problem it's the real problem is what if you miss? Like in all, I, I I heard from coaches, I heard from like insiders of the program, Devin Leary, this guy's amazing. Like yeah, he's he, killing it. He was awful. Not I, accurate. Awful, awful. Not awful. That's strong. But he didn't live up to expectations. He didn't come close to expectations. Yeah. And if he did, yeah, I mean, we can what if anything. But it, Kentucky's probably really good last year if, if they had a solid quarterback. Lincoln, Lincoln Riley built a career on being the transfer quarterback guru. That That is true. Although he did technically recruit Caleb Williams to Oklahoma, right? So that, mm-hmm. that kind of is like his guy, even though technically it's also a transfer. I will say this. I think it is better to go the Will Levis transfer path 
which I think Brock Vandergriff is more in, where he's sort of a young guy who's not been a starter, who's going to step in, and you can kind of develop him a little bit with Liam Cohen, which is exactly what they did with Will Levis. I think Levis and Brock Vandergriff have similar skill sets, right? They're like kind of big uh, athletic guys. I think that's a better path than going to grab a guy who's been a longtime starter at another school who was in like, does that make sense? I know it's a subtle difference, but going to get a guy who's sort of still like Brock Vandergriff's never been a starter. So he's kind of like Will Levis was never a starter. It's kind of like getting your own young player and you get to develop him to some degree. And if Cohen is the one doing it, then I think I, I I mean, you're right. It's fascinating to watch. So I think I would strongly disagree with what you just said, because couldn't we, because because then aren't there guys like Michael Penix, who DeBoer knew all about, started Bo Nix, you know, starters? No, no, no. Bo, Bo Nix was not a great player his freshman year at Auburn. Now, he, he did start, but he, he was developed over time at Oregon by Oregon. Penix got hurt at Indiana a lot. He was recruited and then developed him over multiple years at, at Washington. Transfers don't win championships in the first year. Joe Burrow. It took Joe Burrow two years. They had, they had to develop him that first year. He was solid. They were good, but he wasn't great. I think he had like 19 touchdowns or something like that his first year in 2018. I, yeah, I, but I mean, I I, I can't. So you I'm can, saying at Kentucky, at a program like Kentucky, I think it's better yeah. to go with a guy who you can develop. I think you get more credit for Will Levis than you do blame for Devin Leary. Does that make sense? I don't know. Maybe that Maybe that doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah, I, I feel like you're comparing Brock Vandegrift to Bo Nix in their journey, so because I, I feel like that's completely different. No, I'm comparing him to Will Levis. Right, he's a talented, athletic guy who's got all the physical tools. Four star player at a big time program. That is mm-hmm. exactly Will Levis and Brock Vandegrift. Neither one of them started at either of those two places before Penn State or Georgia. They both go to to Kentucky with Liam Cohen as the coordinator. Let's see what happens. That's all. I think that's different than than trying to bring in a guy who's started a long time and you're trying to fill a gap, right? Like you're just, Hey, I need a stopgap starter to come in and play right away. They developed Will Levis. So every year you're just rolling the dice though. That's the problem. No, no, you're not. Brock Vandergriff could be a multi-year starter. That's my, that's my point. Devin Leary was always a one-year starter. Couldn't he have a big year and go to the NFL? I mean, he's been in college long enough. If that happens then I win the argument. (laughs) But then they're rolling the dice again the next year. I mean, that's dude. Seventy percent of these teams have starting quarterbacks that are transfers. I don't. I, what do you want me to say? Like the only guys who do, the only guys who recruit five stars and develop them. There's like a handful of programs that do that. Didn't we do this like two months ago? And you were like, four teams in. The, it was either the playoff or the Heisman. They were yes, all, yes, they were all developed. They, exactly. They, they were not. They were not. They were not transfers. That's what I, that. But that's my point. At programs that want to win a national championship, it's better to develop a guy and recruit a guy always. At a program mm-hmm. like Kentucky, which is the vast majority of college football programs, the 70% number is the vast majority of programs. They are almost all going to ha- – like again, the, the percentage of teams that have a transfer is just much, much higher today than it was before. But, but the teams that are still winning championships are guys with Carson Beck, guys with um, Jalen Milrow, guys with J.J. McCarthy – you know, these guys, like, again, the only ones that have won it as a transfer are Joe Burrow, Jake Coker, and Cam Newton. That's it. Since, since, since the BCS era started in 98, those are the only three guys. And it took two years for Burrow. It Joe, Jake, Jake Coker was like, just a, I don't know what he was. <laughs> he was just a guy. He, was <laughs> he just handed a, the ball to he was, He's a random dude, but like, and Cam Newton is a special elite one of one human being, right? Like 
So my, ultimately, my point is, is that I think at a program like Kentucky, it might still be your best bet. But I like going to get a younger player who's a former four star top recruit and developing them. That's that's my that's my angle, if that makes sense. But if you're Texas A&M or if you're Tennessee or I if think you're I, I think Carl's on to something. I agree. Uh, so I Tennessee's going to win it all, basically, is what there you're you saying. That's what I'm, but that's what I'm, that's exactly what I'm saying. At a program like Texas A&M and Tennessee and Auburn and LSU, you need to recruit. You need to recruit big time dudes, like dudes. Like yes, Joe Burrow and Jane Daniels can be great, but like you know who won the national championship for them? Matt Flynn and Matt Mock or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the game has changed since then. There's no arguing that. But Nico is the reason that Tennessee will be has a chance to be in the playoff next year. It's Nico. If he's not good, then they won't make the playoff. But if he's five star good, then they'll make. Then they have a chance to make the playoff. So I just don't Kentucky. That's not that's not how you operate at Kentucky. Or I, I dare I say why, Ole Miss. Why can they develop defense, but they can't develop a quarterback? I don't understand. I feel I like mean, they'd be better off. Maybe I mean look at Drinkowitz and Brady Cook. He's an offensive guy. Look at Lane Kiffin with Jackson Dart, offensive guy. I mean these guys are going to be better at developing the offensive guys. Stoops is a defensive guy. Got to do better, Kentucky. God, please send someone to help us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this he's being serious. Okay, you ran out of gas. Uh, I've contacted the police. Uh, well, I'm sorry to hear that, John. I hope everything's okay. Please stop wasting your battery on our show. <laughs> yeah, well, like what? <laughs> you, save, your gas, ba- let me hop on save your battery. <laughs> save, save your phone battery <laughs> for calls to people that can help you. Otherwise, if you're in the area of, of John, give him, give him some help. Uh, thank you guys for hanging out. Thank you guys for, for being with us. We're back every single Tuesday live right here on 440 sports, of course, and that sec podcast. And make sure you give us a subscription. The ship, my interview with Paul Feinbaum and the future of the sec coming up this week on the show should be out Wednesday or Thursday. So make sure you check that out. We're going to do a deep dive. we got a couple of other uh, interviews planned. So make sure you stay tuned over there on the, uh, the YouTube page. We do appreciate you guys at, at 440 sports on YouTube. So give us a, give us a subscription. We do appreciate it for Michael Bratton. My name is Braden golf. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. <laughs>